0: Merry Christmas. I do resist uh, receiving and extending Christmas greetings until uh, Christmas Eve for one good reason. And it's a good reminder that the church does not begin the Christmas season until the evening of Christmas Eve for good reason. And, and the church, in her wisdom, knows we need to be prepared. And to be honest, I feel like I need another four weeks of, lent, of, of not, not of lent. Of Advent to be really prepared. It's just been an interesting Advent, but all the same, I'm prepared to celebrate with with all of us, with all of you, the birth of Jesus. As we gather tonight in this uh, Vigil Mass of the great feast of Christmas. uh, Every year I get kind of uh, teased at least once or twice. I haven't yet, so I'll expect it at the end of Mass. But why do we have this Gospel passage? Why do we use this Gospel passage at this time? After all, everyone's got their idea on the manger and on, on the angels and on the shepherds and all those things. Well, the Church in her wisdom gives us this reading at this time to help us remember how God the Father prepared the world for Jesus Christ. And while it is perhaps a little torture for the deacon or the presider priest to read the genealogy and to get the the names right, because some of these names are names that we're not familiar with, names that we only find in the Old Testament and here or in Luke's version of the genealogy. They remind us of the reality of who Jesus Christ truly is. See, as I said at the beginning of the uh, season of Advent, if you remember back, if you were here, St. Luke records in the time of Caesar Augustus when Quirinius was governor and all those things. He records those purposely so that we understand that Jesus Christ really came into a historical context. He really came in the flesh. He dwelt among us as we will hear tomorrow at the uh, Mass of the day, we've seen his grace. He really came, took flesh. And in this family, in this family line, and we had this reading last week on Friday, and I, found myself, I have found myself meditating on this and on, on the nature of family and family lines and family trees. And we know that most of the time, a good tree is going to produce good fruit, but every once in a while, there's going to be a rotted fruit on this tree. And we can, can take some comfort that in the family tree of Jesus, tracing back the fathers and the grandfathers and the great-grandfathers, back, 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 there were very good people, and then there were some not-so-good some not so people. Ahaz, who sinned greatly in the sight of the Lord, or uh, while David was... Uh, uh, loved by God, how David strayed so often, had a strained eye. How even Solomon was not, the, the, uh, his mother was not uh, out of a normal relationship, but rather one that started by adultery, Bathsheba. How God, though, wrote a straight line all the way through all of those people, all of these men and and the five women that are named to give us Jesus Christ. And why does St. Matthew record this, or why does St. Luke record this? Well, St. Matthew, I think, records it because he is very concerned to tell us Jesus is a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, that God was going to build a kingdom, that he was going to set on the kingdom of David, an eternal kingdom, a king who will rule for all eternity, and Jesus Christ fulfills that. And if you look at this close enough, it might it might unsettle you a little bit. But uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But remembering that Jesus Christ was not biologically, of course, Joseph's son, but Joseph adopted him as his son. And that's where the kingship, that's where the royal rights. In fact, that's where all the rights begin and a father who claims his son. And so Joseph claims Jesus, names him Jesus, takes him into his home. But Jesus not only is, comes in time, but he comes at a particular time. As I said four weeks ago, he came in the the middle of the Pax Romani, the peace of Rome. And as I said, you know, Rome had established roads and and communication systems and and things were easier and and everything. And while it was called Pax Romani, it was not peaceful. There was violence still and there was anger and hatred. Uh, The Jewish people did not like the rule of Rome, probably with good reason. And if we think that peace comes from the government we might miss the point of Christmas. And I'm not making a political point as much as, as a human point. So often we look so many other places for peace and for, for, for happiness and for, for something some semblance of normal, and it's not going to come. If anything, these last 21 months have taught us, there's nothing normal. And if we keep looking for it outside, we're never going to find it. It is Christmas that reminds us that peace comes from God. And we'll hear and we already heard, whether we recognize it or not. Glory to God on the, in the highest. And on earth, peace to people of goodwill. Or peace to people on whom God's favor rests. Peace comes to those who recognize who Jesus Christ is. And we remember that first Christmas night, it was not to the wise and the powerful. It was to the shepherds, the lowest, the meekest, the most humble, the ones who were shunned. As Pope Francis has said a number of times and such, that he reminds us as priests, as pastors, that we are to have the smell of the sheep. Unfortunately, shepherds sometimes smelled of sheep. What do sheep smell like? Well, they don't smell all like grass. They smell, smell like grass that's been digested <laughs> so often. And yet God called them, and they recognized what this means. And they called others and told others. And when Jesus ga- began his ministry, out of that knowledge that is not to the great and powerful, but to the least, he called others, and they followed and here we are, 2,000 years later, gathered, celebrating his birth, celebrating the peace that God gives. And to be honest, I found, myself, I found myself reflecting more and more and more on the nature of peace. So often this world promises it, and it falls short. Or we might have a moment of some semblance of happiness, and it quickly dissipates. Or I look at people in the midst of grief who yet have a sense of peace. People who are challenged by whatever circumstances in their life and and they know happiness. And what's the difference? They know Christ. They know the peace that Jesus Christ gives. And so they don't look to the externals, but they look rather to the internal, to the place where God dwells in them. That's what Christmas means. The crash reminds us. And so often we hear, and and, uh, it it sounds like I'm being a uh, balloon popper or whatever, by by saying that we, we have this... Uh, imagination that tells us Joseph went from inn, inn to inn to inn in Bethlehem to find a room and Bethlehem was a small little city not much bigger than Ghent maybe how many inns does Ghent have how many inns does Minota have the word there is the guest room and I find it Haunting, to think it's even worse than them not having reservations at an inn. No, the family that jo- Joseph and Mary were staying with, his family, didn't have room for them. And yet they found room in a cave, in the family home, where the animals lodged. There's an Old Testament passage that says the ox knows its master. And so Jesus is recognized by the ox, the sheep, the donkeys. He's recognized by the shepherds. May he be recognized by us. And may we have, unlike family, a place for Jesus this day.